0: Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a new day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you. And today, as we continue this series, Sit, Walk, Stand, we pray, God, that we will continue to realize that because of Jesus, we can sit with you ultimately in heaven, that we can walk or live in your ways, and that we can stand firm against the devil in our daily lives. God, we pray for your spirit to pour into us right now. Open our hearts that we might receive your message, your word to us, that we can go out in the world and celebrate your glory and show others your life that is truly life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm glad to be back at New Life. Last week I was in Cooperstown, New York. If you don't know what that is, it's where the Baseball Hall of Fame is. And uh, I had always wanted to go there. My brother Ken and his son Matt asked me to come last weekend. So I did. And we went to see Ken Griffey and Mike Piazza, Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, be inducted into the Hall of Fame. There are 50,000 people there that weekend. I spent eight hours in the Hall of Fame, in the museum, going through paraphernalia about baseball. And some of you go, whoa, that would be like poking my eye out with a fork. Um, but rest of you know what it's really like. You know, it was awesome. It was really a cool thing. Uh, but I miss being with you. I'm going to say a little bit more about that at the very end today. Um, But it was, I've always wanted to go there, and I never did. In fact, my brother, Ken, has a little better memory than I do. He's a couple years younger. And he said, remember how we always wanted to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame, but we couldn't go because my dad only had two weeks off in the summer. He was a coal miner, and he had two weeks of miners' vacation. And uh, those two weeks, we always had our own baseball games. So we we didn't want to miss our own baseball games to go see, you know, dead people and stuff like that uh, in paraphernalia. But now that we don't have baseball games anymore of our own, we finally got to go. So uh, why do I tell you that? just because uh, I just want you to know I'm a real person uh, that likes normal stuff, as well as I love Jesus. And uh, here at New Life, our goal, our mission, is to uh, share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world, one person at a time. And the main way we do that is by worshiping him and by going into his word, which we're gonna do right now. We're in the middle of this series. Actually, can you believe it? It's the eighth week already of a summer series, uh, which means summer's almost over because it's only 12 weeks long. And uh, it's called sit, walk, stand. Why sit, walk, stand? Well, we've been learning that the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a church in a place called Ephesus 2,000 years ago, just about. And, uh, And in that letter, he said those three verbs, sit, walk, stand, are our relationship to God through Jesus Christ. Back in the second week of the series, we read this verse. It's Ephesians 2, verse 6, which says, For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us... ...with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus... And uh, so if you weren't here before, uh, that's where the sit comes from. We're seated in the heavenly realms with Jesus. One day that will be true forever. We'll be with him in heaven forever. But right now, we can still be seated with him or sit with him through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives on a daily basis. Now today, we're going to see, as we did last week, I don't remember, I watched the video of Pastor Jane who did a great job preaching last week. But verse 1 of chapter 4 uses the verb walk. But also today, we're going to read this verse. It's verse 17 of chapter four, it says this, "Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds." Now we won't be reading it that way when we actually read First 4:17 in uh, the New Living translation, which is a more modern translation than the one I just read, the English standard version. But in the original Greek, the word peripeteo actually means walk, but most modern translations translate it as live, because we don't really, I mean, if you're as old as me, you might say, how's your walk with the Lord? But typically, we don't say use that expression. We talk about living in Jesus Christ. So it's, it means the same thing. So sit is in heavenlies with Jesus. Walk is live the way of Jesus. And then on the last week, actually the 12th week, uh, we're going to hear about what it means to stand against the devil and we're going to be talking uh, in, in that time about the armor that God gives us and, uh, and how we can stand up against the devil. So sit, walk, stand. And the cool thing is, 10 years from now, if somebody walks up to you and says, what is the letter of the Ephesians about? You can say, well, it's about sitting in, in, in the heavenlies with Jesus because um, when he rose from the dead, he gave us a new life when we trust him as Savior and Lord. It's about walking or living in his ways in the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's about standing firm against the devil. So here we are, we're you know, just 12 weeks, and you've learned for the rest of your life what Ephesians is all about. It's sort of the cliff notes of the, the letter to the Ephesians, sit, walk, stand. So let's get right to the verb for today, which is walk. And as we're going to see, walking in Jesus' way is a total transformation that starts on the inside, but it comes to the outside. And we'll talk a lot about what that means today. So the take-home point, and again, if you're you're new here, we're so glad you're with us. And we seek to make one point in our messages every week. This week, the take-home point says this. Walking, in quotes, as followers of Jesus, means letting the Holy Spirit renew our thoughts, our attitudes, and actions. Now, if you're not familiar with the idea... That the God of the Bible is one God, but that he has revealed himself in three persons. The Father, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and then the Holy Spirit. Today, the Apostle Paul is going to make a big emphasis on the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and what the Holy Spirit does in changing us from the inside out so that we can be like Jesus, so that we can walk or live in his way. So let's jump right into Ephesians 4, 17-32 and see what Paul tells us. If you're following along in the study guide it's pages 31 and 30 or 30 and 31. Sorry, 30 and 31 if you have a study guide that's where we are today. So, verse 17, with the Lord's authority I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do for they are hopelessly confused or as we read it from the ESV, don't walk that way, you know, they're they're lost in the futility of their minds. And that's a really helpful distinction. What Paul says, first of all, you were Gentiles. Now, Gentiles are simply non-Jews, so most of us in the room would be Gentiles if we don't have a Jewish heritage. So Paul says, don't, don't live as a Gentile. But he's, he's not just talking about who they are, which is sort of their ethnic background, but what they do. Because the Gentiles lived a certain way. They lived in the futility and confusion of their minds. They, they were lost people. The Gentiles were lost. And so what he's saying is, don't live that way. And it's very important for us to understand who we are, like we're Americans or we're Germans or whatever. You know, people will tell my heritage, I'm a German-Irish by, um, you know, background. And as they say, you can always tell a German-Irish person, but you can't tell them much, right? Okay, so, so the bottom line is we know probably who we are by background, but what we do doesn't have to be dictated by that background. And that's what Paul is saying here is just because you're Gentiles on the outside doesn't mean you have to be Gentiles on the inside. In fact, the whole point of this passage is to show that we are going to be changed from the inside out. People aren't going to be able to see that we're Christians. When somebody walks up to you, they can't see that you're a Christian just by how, they, you, know, how you look, or by, by what the color of your skin is, or, or by your ethnic background. What they can see is how you live. Are we sitting, walking, standing in Jesus Christ? If they see that, then they'll know that we're Christians. So Paul says this. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives us because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Sort of interesting. Paul is talking to a group of people who have become believers in Jesus Christ, but he talks about how they used to be. And he talks in a third person. Gentiles have their minds. Notice it's always there. they. They wander far from the life God gives. They've closed their minds. They've hardened their hearts. And this is a vital truth. Once Jesus becomes Savior and Lord of our lives, what we were changes. And, and although this passage comes from nearly 2,000 years ago, it's so relevant to today. Because I don't, I've been living almost six decades now, and I don't ever remember a time in American history, in my 60 years of American history, um, when there have been more closed and hard-hearted minds uh, than there are in this culture today. And it's interesting because what we say as a culture is we're being open-minded. We're being you know, tolerant and accepting. And by doing that, we actually are becoming closed-minded and hard-hearted. And one of the things that I've learned over the years, is it's good to be open-minded, but we shouldn't be so open-minded that our brains fall out. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so, so the next thing Paul tells us is what this external reality becomes when the internal reality is that, um, that we have this hard-heartedness. He says, They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Does that sound familiar? I think you know me well enough to know if you've been coming for any period of time at all, I'm not a prude. You know, I'm really not. <laughs> but, but, but we live in a culture where there is no shame. There's no sense of shame where impure, impurity is, is a given. We see it on television. We see it in the movies, video games. We live in a whatever kind of culture. It's very similar to the culture in which Paul was writing this letter 2,000 years ago. And after describing the reality of the Gentile walk or the Gentile way of life, the way of life that has nothing to do with God, then Paul goes and says this, But, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. So that's pretty clear, isn't it? There's this old way of life. And he says, but now you have learned the truth. It's past tense. You've learned the truth about Christ. So now that you have learned the truth, it's in your mind, it's in your heart. Now that that's there, you should throw off, present tense, these behaviors. These sinful behaviors that are part of every Gentile's life, that are part of every person's life before Jesus Christ becomes Savior and Lord of our lives. So here's the question. Have you learned the truth that comes from Jesus? Have you read the Bible? Have you listened to messages? Have you been in a small group? Have you had conversations about the truth of Jesus Christ? And if the answer to that question, those questions is yes, then what difference is it making in how you walk? You see, there's a a difference between talking the talk about being a Christian and walking the walk. And what Jesus, or I should say, what Paul is saying is once Jesus Christ comes in and his truth is in your mind, and you've learned it, we've learned it, then it ought to show up in a, a change of behavior because Jesus works in our life to transform us from the inside out. Is it that simple? Yes, it's that simple. Is it that easy? No, it's not easy. It's not easy to give up control because we want to hold on to, even though we know that knowing Jesus and having the power of his spirit is better, we still want to hold on to the old way because at least then we know what's going to happen. We know what our behavior has been, and if we hold on to it, we know what it will be. But if we let go and let the Holy Spirit lead in our lives, we're not exactly sure where that's going to lead. We have to trust him enough to let go of control so we can move forward in our lives. And what Paul is gonna tell us in chapter six when we get there is we're in a spiritual battle and our whole life is a spiritual battle and the reality of that battle is Paul, Paul tells us we've been given armor from God that we can use to stand up against the devil. We have only one weapon that we can use in that battle and that's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But even here, in this chapter, in chapter 4, and then again in chapter 5, what Paul is going to say is that the Holy Spirit living inside of us is what changes us. And that transformation that we have is what will allow us to walk in the way of Jesus. So here's what it, um, here's what it means to have God on the inside. It says it in verse 23. Instead, okay, instead of having this old way of life, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So as we've been saying all along through this series, this transformation comes because of the infinite cosmic power of God. And if you don't remember that phrase, infinite cosmic power of God, you just need to go back to week two, watch the video on NewLifeXN.org or on the New Life app, and you'll get caught up to speed about that because we have the infinite Cosmic power of God on the inside of us through the Holy Spirit. And it says, let the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes. So many people that I have known think that the Holy Spirit is a feeling. That if you have the Holy Spirit, you'll feel warm and fuzzy. Or you'll feel you know good or something. And you will probably if the Holy Spirit's on the inside. But sometimes you don't. Because the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit's God. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the God of the universe inside of us by his power, by that infinite cosmic power, and it starts to change us from the inside out. And the, the truth is, the reason why we've called it sit, walk, stand, and then we added the qualifier, more than going through the motions, is because when Jesus Christ is inside of us, it ought to be more than going through the motions when we live our lives. So when we're here, it's Sunday morning, right? 8.30, well, what, at 9 o'clock now on Sunday morning, and here we are, Why? Is it just because it's Sunday morning and we know we have to check an hour off the list, you know, in worship because that's what Christians do? No. We're here. And if you're a first-time guest, or maybe you've been coming a long time, but Jesus isn't Savior and Lord of your life, you have to understand something. We're not playing games here. This is our life. This is serious stuff. We worship the living God of the universe, and we are growing in him. And so we're here not because it's the one hour each week that we give to God because it's the right thing to do. We're here. Because we want to glorify the God of the universe, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we want to grow together in Him. And He calls us to do it. And we believe it. Now, here's the thing. If you are a first-time guest, you have to know something about this church. We're not perfect. It's a little insider information. Okay, none of us here is perfect. We're not even close to perfect. If you're here for the first time and you are perfect, you probably don't want to join here because you'd screw up our statistics. You know what I'm saying? Um, Because there, there just aren't any perfect people here. But the bottom line is, we're not perfect, but we're changing. From the inside out, we're changing because the Holy Spirit is active in in our daily lives. And so it's interesting what Paul does next. He's going to go through this list of things, external behaviors, that change because of the internal change of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he starts off by saying, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Lying is a way of life in our culture. And actually, I'm starting to think that lying is a way of life in every culture because 2,000 years ago, Paul is talking to Christians and he says, Stop lying. I mean, he's writing to a church. He wasn't writing to a bunch of Gentiles who were still Gentiles, he was writing to a bunch of believers and he says, Stop lying. Why should we stop lying? Because we're brothers and sisters, and we shouldn't lie to each other if we're brothers and sisters. You know I mean? If I say to you, how are you doing today, Chuck? And Chuck goes, oh, I'm doing great, but he's really doing terrible. He just lied to me. How can I help him out? How can I pray for him if he doesn't tell me the truth, right? Now, if I ask you today, how are you doing? Please don't go through a, like a four-hour thing of how terrible your life is, all right? You don't have to be that honest with me because the Holy Spirit's working on the inside to change us you know, on the inside and the outside. But, but what I'm saying is, how can we help each other if we're not honest with each other? And that's what Paul was saying. We gotta stop lying and tell the truth so that if I have a problem, I need to say, hey, I got a problem in my life and I need your help. And then you need to say back to me, okay, I'll pray for you and, and then you gotta do that. Because if you, if you say I'm gonna pray for you and you don't, that's a lie, right? People come up to me all the time and say, Pastor, would you pray for me every day for X? And I'll say, no. And they say, you're a pastor. I say, yeah, that's why I'm telling you no, because I'm not going to lie to you and say that I'll pray for you every day. like, if you have cancer, I'll pray for you every day. But if you say, will you pray that my dog comes back, I'll pray for that today, right now. But I probably won't remember to pray for it every day. Okay, so that's the whole point. We need to be honest with each other, correct each other. And here's the thing. Pastor Jane talked about this last week. In Ephesians 4, what does it say? When we grow up, we speak the truth in love. And that's the key. How do we tell each other the truth? We do it in love. Because if I have a problem and you come to me and you say it in a mean kind of way, Chris, you know, you just, I don't like you. That makes me feel bad, right? Not really that much, but anyway. But some people, it make them feel really bad, okay? And, but if you come to me and say, Chris, you know, I've been noticing that when you preach, you, you, you do like you spit on me in the first row. Could you quit doing that? And I think, oh, okay. And it's offered in love then, you know, I can say, well, okay, I'll try it. I don't know what I can do about that, but I'll, yeah, I'll take that under advisement, and I'll really pray about it, and I'll try to do something different. Maybe I'll have Brian move the seats back six inches. But anyway, the bottom line is Paul is saying stop lying. Then he says, next thing, here's this little list, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. I know a lot about this particular sin. I have let a lot of suns go down on my anger. I have let the devil have a foothold in my life a lot of times because of anger. In fact, even though I've been a Christian for 47 years now, for all but about 40 of those years, actually 38 of those years, I had a really, really bad anger problem. And it was my default mode. When something didn't go the way I wanted it to, I just blew up. And uh, about nine years ago, I read this book, Change Your Heart, Change Your Life. And as I read it, uh, the guy said something very simple. It's what we're talking about here this morning. He said, if you want to change, stop just praying about it. Stop just reading the Bible about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to overwrite whatever the thing is, in my case, anger, you know, with, with the truth of God and to change you from the inside out. And so I started doing that, and I I used one verse, and most of you know this by now because I've shared this before, but the the golden rule, Matthew 7, verse 12, in all things, do to others what you would have them do to you. This is the law, sums up the law and the prophets, and I would pray that all day, some days, and and I would, when I got in a situation that usually would be a situation that would cause me to blow up and be angry for the rest of the day, and when the sun went down until the next day, um, I just turned it over to God and asked Him to fill me with the Holy Spirit. And really, over a period of about three months, there was a transformation that came that has been lasting. And again, you know, it, it's not a perfect situation. You know, the devil's a loser, but he's not a quitter. Um, you know, the devil is a loser. He already lost. When Jesus died on the cross, the devil was defeated, but he hasn't quit yet, and he won't quit until Jesus comes back and puts him in his place forever. So even though the devil is a loser, he's going to still you know, prod and prod and prod. He's like nibbling it to death like a duck. You know what I'm saying? Like it just, it, he just keeps at it. And so the, the way that we overcome it is not, as the word is going to tell us in chapter 6, it's not by any physical means, It's by spiritual means. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so that's what Paul says. And then he says, if you're a thief, I can't believe he's writing this to Christians. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. So Paul is demonstrating that just because Jesus becomes Savior and Lord in our lives doesn't mean that everything about us changes immediately. So, you know, some of us were angry and we're still angry. For me, it was 40 years after I came, became a Christian. For for some of us, you know, we have this tendency to steal, and, and stealing could be actually taking stuff, or it could be taking ideas, or it could just be not working hard enough. All of these different things could be stealing. And what Paul was saying, and this is what I love about Paul, he usually doesn't just say quit this, period, like you know how your mother used to say, quit it. And, and then, like, well, what am I supposed to do if I quit it? Well, Paul tells you, if you quit it then what you should do is take those same pair of hands that used to steal stuff and now use it to earn you know, honest wages. And then when you get the honest wages, what you do is you take the honest wages and you give them away to others generously because that's what God does. God takes all the good things that he has and he shares them with all of us. And so as we do that, we become more and more like Jesus. Generosity is a very strong indicator that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives because human beings are not innately generous. We're takers, we're not givers, until the Holy Spirit starts leading in our lives. So if you ever want to know if the Holy Spirit's working, a good checkpoint is, am I generous? If I'm not, then I probably need to be praying for the Holy Spirit's work to be even more in my life. Now, Paul then turns from how we use our hands to how we use our mouths. He says this, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. This is another tough one for me over the years. God blessed me with an extensive vocabulary, and that's in good words and all of the bad ones. So, I mean, if it's so funny. I'm a preacher, right? And people will say a bad word, and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, oh, I never heard that one before. Um, some of them I might have invented. I'm not sure. But, but the bottom line is it hasn't been easy for me to stop this because, you know, when you have those words that just, they got in there somehow, you don't even know how they got in there, and they just come out without even thinking, right? And that's why it says that the Holy Spirit changes our thoughts and our attitudes, and he will. The Holy Spirit will change our thoughts and our attitudes so that, you know, the, this long vocabulary of violent, abusive language gets whittled down over time. And for some people, I mean, I'm amazed. Like, my wife is one of them. She never says a bad word, ever. It's like, I mean, seriously, I'm telling you the truth. I Me, mean, not so much still. But, but anyway, I'm working on it, you know, and, and the, the list has gone from this to, like, Two words that she doesn't like very much. Okay, so um, you probably know them already because I actually used one of them in a sermon one time. Okay, so anyway, the bottom line is Paul doesn't just say stop that. He says use this mouth that God gave you to do what? Encourage. To encourage other people. So that doesn't mean we're never supposed to correct each other, but it means even when we're correcting each other, we do it in a way that brings um, a sense of of, uh, I can do this instead of a sense of defeat. You know, when I just told you about the foul and abusive language, I said it in a humorous way. Do you know why I did that? Two reasons. One is because you'll remember it. Number two is because you won't feel so offended by what I said that you won't hear what I said. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if I just told you, y'all are so nasty, you need to stop using that kind of language. You know, if I preach like that, probably it wouldn't be so good. Uh, And so I don't because the Holy Spirit has encouraged me to encourage you. And I I tell you the truth, and I actually say it pretty plain, but I also say it in a way that instead of feeling defeated, I think you might feel encouraged to go out and let the Holy Spirit work more in your life. And that's the goal. So if you have a challenge, you have an issue, you have a problem, what Paul is saying is the Holy Spirit is the answer. He really is. And we need each other's help and encouragement along the way. And then what Paul offers next is this sort of general catch-all statement about our walk, or the way we live, and the Holy Spirit. He says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing you that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. So we can bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way we walk or live, which means we're bringing sorrow to God, right? Because the Holy Spirit is part of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, And what Paul says is simply, don't. Don't bring sorrow to God by the way you live, by the way you walk. Instead, he says, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to understand we've been identified. We've been sort of marked, not sort of, we have been marked by God with the Holy Spirit. He's in us, which is the proof. That on the day of redemption, the day Jesus comes back, we're going to be with him forever. And so what we need to make sure we do is as soon as we start walking, if we're walking this way and this is away from God, what we need to do is repent. We need to turn around and we need to walk back to him. We need to let the Holy Spirit come back in and lead and, and, and guide our lives. And next week, we're going to get into chapter 5. And in, in chapter 5, there's a very powerful verse, verse 18. Where it says this, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery or it will ruin your life, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that be filled with the Holy Spirit is an ongoing thing. Every moment, every day, we need to ask God to continue to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Now, growing in Jesus requires us to give more and more control to the Holy Spirit. And in life, everything in life comes down to trust and control. If I don't trust someone, I will try to control that person. But if I trust that person, I won't try to control so, in fact, last night I was talking, a couple came from Cincinnati and they, they came to church, and this is back from when I was first in the ministry, and I was talking about how we have such a young staff overall. You know, there's a few exceptions, but mostly they're young staff. And I said, the, the biggest challenge for me is to trust them. You know, to let them do what they're going to do um, because God has gifted them, and they might do it different than I do. In most cases, that would be better than I would do it. And, but I, I, I have to give up control, which means I have to let the Holy Spirit lead my life, and then I have to share the trust that comes from that with them. And in your life, if you have been in control, and even if your life is messed up, but you've been in control, it's really hard to say, God, I'm giving you control. Come in and fill me up with your Holy Spirit. But that's what we have to do. And so in concluding this section, Paul offers, he has these, I call them laundry lists because it's like a checklist of things that you shouldn't do and things that you should do. And so he gives us the laundry list of things we shouldn't do to close out the section. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Basically, what Paul is saying is stop sinning. Stop sinning. That's helpful. You know, I mean, if he stopped there, that wouldn't be that helpful, would it? Just stop sinning. Okay, okay, Paul, I'll just stop sinning. But that's not what he says. He says this. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So what Paul says is, if you're prone to bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, all of these evil behaviors, then what you need to do, he's really saying this implicitly, is let the Holy Spirit control you so that you will be tender-hearted And kind and forgiving of each other. The behavior that we need to substitute for bitterness and anger and rage and all those things, all the evil behaviors of our life, is kindness and tenderheartedness and forgiveness. And once again, how do we do that? We have to let the Holy Spirit lead in our lives. And the fruit of the Spirit, which is in the book of Galatians, a little longer list, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when the Holy Spirit is leading, those things start to come out of us The external behavior of our life becomes those nine qualities rather than these sinful qualities. Now, here's the question. Have you noticed in the last week, the last month, the last year that you have less of those evil qualities, the lying, you know, the anger, the bitterness, the rage, all of those things, and more of those traits from the spirit, the kindness, the tenderheartedness, the forgiveness? If the answer is no, you you haven't seen any change then I I believe that the Apostle Paul would say, well, that's because of one of two things. Number one, you haven't yet trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord in your life. In other words, you haven't given up control. You haven't really let the Holy Spirit in because you haven't really let Jesus be Lord, which is actually owner or master in your life. That's the possibility, number one. The second possibility is you have trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, but you're still holding on to control. And you're not letting the Holy Spirit, you're not opening up. And when I say opening up, notice how I have my hands like this. Um, This is just a very quick statement, and I haven't said it at the other service, but I'll probably say it at the rest of the services. When when I sing, sometimes you'll see me with my hands up, and sometimes I don't. When I put my hands up, like, what is this? This is like a funnel, right? And I'm open myself to receive the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I do that. I'm not even really singing. I'm praying. I'm saying, God, fill me with your spirit, especially right before I preach. Oftentimes, that's what I'm doing. Because I know that nothing I say is going to help anybody. But what the Holy Spirit has to say is going to be very helpful. So if you haven't seen the transformation, all this list of laundry list of long, bad things that we should stop doing, if they haven't been stopping, then the question becomes, have you opened yourself up to the Holy Spirit? Have you let him come in, not just once, but on a daily basis? And sometimes, in my case, it's like every 10 seconds, you know, because I, I, just, I can't do it myself. And the truth is, none of us can. We have to give our lives to Jesus, lives to Jesus, and then we have to give control of our lives to the Holy Spirit so he can transform us from the inside out. And, and so today's commitment is simple. It says, I will walk in Jesus' ways this week. I will walk or live in Jesus' ways this week. And of course, that's impossible unless the Holy Spirit is leading from the inside out. So what it's also saying is, I will walk in Jesus' way this week by letting the Holy Spirit have control in my life So that more and more and more, I will look more like Jesus, talk more like Jesus, act more like Jesus in my daily life. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then today would be a great day to do that. Right now would be a good time to say, God, I I might not have even believed you were there before, but it sure makes sense what he's saying up there today. And I want to have this power that he's talking about, this infinite cosmic power, and I know the only way to do that is through Jesus. That's the truth. So if you say, Jesus... I, want, I admit that I'm a sinner, that, I, you know, that I've been living that long laundry list of things. And maybe not to the degree that I could, but certainly to the degree that I know that I'm guilty. And I need forgiveness. And so today I'm asking for it. And I'm asking for Jesus to come in, take over, be Savior and Lord in my life. Savior just means save us from sin and death, right? And Lord means owner. And I would add, and fill me up with your Holy Spirit. Might as well get started right now with that. Now what about the rest of us? Those of us who have trusted Jesus as our Savior and Lord, you know, I would say it's a good thing on a regular basis for us just to ask ourselves is that list, that laundry list of things, you know, that Paul qualifies as evil behavior, is is it getting shorter? Not as a checklist kind of a thing, but but as a a way of life kind of a thing. Is is my life different? And, And actually, if you really have a little bit of courage, ask somebody close to you. You know, say, hey, mom, hey, brother, hey, says, hey, dad, hey, husband, wife, do you notice any difference in me? Because, and, and then, you know, hopefully they're Christian and they'll speak the truth and love to you. But if they do, say, well, no, I don't see any difference. Then that's the time to, to say, okay, I, 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 I need to pray and I need to ask Jesus to fill me up more. And, and, and even if they say yes, that's the time to say, thank you, Jesus. Fill me up more. Because we all are, like I said, none of us are perfect here. And we're all on that journey of walking more and more like Jesus. So let's pray right now and ask him either A, to come in for the first time, or B, to come in and fill us up anew. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the truth that we just read, that you came so that our lives can be radically transformed. God, I pray that that transformation which starts on the inside will be evident on the outside. For any in the room who haven't yet trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, I pray that in this moment, right now, they will. And for all of us, God, who have made that commitment, I pray for you to pour your spirit into us, new and fresh. God, I pray that whatever weakness it is that we have, whatever, whatever sin it is that, that causes us the most difficulty, that you would address it head on, that we would give up the control and let you lead us so that we can walk the way that you call us to walk in goodness, in love, in truth, in joy, in peace. God, we ask these things in the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, amen.